Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Computomics podcast. This week, we will follow up on our discussion from our last episode with Vito and keep discussing ways that environmental data can really be made useful for the agricultural field. We will dive a little bit deeper into the topic of how environmental data can really improve predictions. We will discuss what kind of environmental data we're talking about and some of the challenges currently facing the incorporation of this data into standard prediction pipelines. We hope you enjoyed the episode. with me our exceed score expert scientist bjorn to talk about some of the ways we make this possible hi anna hi bjorn welcome to the podcast um i'm really excited to talk about this topic i think that as i've been reading literature and what's coming out from the scientific community there's been a lot of discussion on the importance of incorporating data into phenotype predictions can you sort of give us an introduction to what all this talk is about, what's the difficulty in predicting traits like yield, and why environment is such a big topic of discussion. So for complex traits, we have the um, genetic component that uh, denotes how suited uh, a a plant in general is for uh, the performance, and the environment component that um, determines the uh, essentially the impact of the environment, and these are not only it's not only the environment and the genetics, but also certain uh, genetic aspects of the plant um, interact with the environment, or um, the lines or the, the plants depend on uh, certain environments. And so, what think- you're saying is that essentially for for traits that are complex, maybe as an example would be yield, it's you're really missing a full portion of the equation that results in yield when you're not able to appropriately calculate environmental factors, right? Yes, so the yeah the environment, for example, for some traits like yield plays um, a huge role. And not only the environment, but um, also things like um, the management of the fields. And um, then also the environment is uh, can be um, a lot of things. Like we have um, weather information or climate as kind of a larger uh, weather phenomenon, and um, also information about um, the soil that play into these, um, in this environmental impact of the plant. And they all uh, play together uh, with the genetics of the plant to then result in a certain uh, performance for a trait. And the more we can um, uh, model these um, these environmental factors and the genetics together, the more um, accurate we can be with our predictions. But I guess, you know, the, the question that immediately begs, um, begs being asked is, we certainly aren't the first people to realize that the environment, things like weather or soil, are important for crops. I mean, this is essentially what the agricultural industry has been living off of and these insights that you know farmers on the field even seed companies have been have been sort of intuitively making what has really been the challenge and i assume that um or we actually know from our client interactions that a lot of our clients do have quite a lot of 
data per se covering these um, these different aspects. So what's been the challenge? What's What's been the problem? If they have the data, they know it's important. Why is it not being useful? Um, so yeah, um, most of the um, the farmers, yeah, as you said, collect this data, and um, farmers or uh, breeders already try to um, model for these environments. For example, by using um, the so-called uh, check lines that are then uh, planted in multiple environments, so that you can kind of normalize for the environmental factors. So um, it's not that they essentially want to model the the plant in an exact environment, but they want to see um, how in comparison to other environments um, the plants perform. And um, yeah, also normally um, looking for a specific environment or specific field is not the, the precise uh, goal that a farmer has. They want um, a plant that performs quite well in um, all of their environments. And um, yeah, if the the problem then comes up if you um, have, for example, changes in the environment, or if you have years that are not um, as predictable as the years before, and um, we will see this more often, I think, in uh, with the uh, climate change that we are facing, Definitely. and um, also in terms of uh, globalization, where people want to um, go to other markets or expand their breeding programs to other regions. Definitely, and so with these check lines, this is more of on the field testing. What about in terms of predictions? Do you think that what is the challenge with incorporating this type of data into current predictions that companies, even huge companies, are trying to make? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned in the beginning, so it's a really complex interaction between the genetics and the different environmental factors. And that um, then results in a huge um, complex uh, computational problem, essentially, because uh, if you want to have this completely precise, you have to model all interactions of all markers, all environments, all possible environmental factors at some point, because each of these environmental factors could have some influence, even minor influences, on your um, final performance. And if you want to model all of this, this is quite complex. And with uh, statistical models, your um, the problem that you're then facing is a huge explosion in um, your uh, data complexity and also the computation of uh, these uh, these data sets. Is there a reason why um, the approaches we're taking to tackle this issue differ significantly from these statistical approaches? Yeah, so, um, so our approach um, is uh, using machine learning because um, what we are seeing there with um, the, the environmental data and uh, the genetic data is that this is a um, yeah as it's a huge um, a complex uh, it's a quite complex uh, problem and uh, these interactions can be modeled quite well with uh, machine learning. There are uh, multiple methods 
um, in, for example, classical machine learning or um, also uh, in neural nets that are able to model these complex interactions. We can build in uh, structures um, that we uh, see in the data where we have some uh, prior knowledge um, of and we can uh, model all of this and um, then have an efficient way of uh, predicting it. Okay. And I assume that the the data that's going to go in, right? So to me, I'm thinking that there's going to be a certain amount of data that a client has, and that probably varies depending on um, the amount of data they've gathered, the size of their institution, what they have access to. So there's a certain amount of historical data that they bring with them that can also be considered environmental data. But there's also maybe the opportunity to add on to that data or to you know for us to bring something from our side to help enhance those predictions for them what is sort of the what is the interplay between the kind of data clients bring and also the kind of data that we can bring from our side to really build a a, a prediction technology that is really multifaceted and that can really cover the full landscape of what's happening uh, with their crops um, yep. So we've um, we've seen that uh, clients um, normally have genotype information and information about the performance of the plants. Um, they not necessarily have enough information to really uh, model a complex environment. And we're currently uh, working on um, the uh, on different. Um, databases or the the access to different uh, public databases so that we can then extract this information about soil or weather um, for the clients and then add this to our models and and then uh, make predictions um, for for our clients and i think that that's you know that's really interesting and exciting to me something that i've been able to be a part of as well and it's really great to see that our ability to handle and access these large data sets can really seamlessly integrate into a client's desire, for example, to model performance in different climates or in different locations um, or in different environments, right? So I guess from, I'll say from my perspective and then you can add on your own perspective. So. For me, the case studies that I've seen is, for example, the desire to grow a crop in a yet untested location where there's a potential market, right? So which of a client's crops or specific varieties or specific crosses need to be combined in order to make that successful in a different location? And the other way around would be that if you want to continue growing or selling in your current location, you need to model for the potential environmental changes coming and also prepare yourself that perhaps in the future or even now you are better off growing different varieties of the same or different crop. Um, what, what have you seen from sort of your perspective that we would consider the end goals of these predictions? What do you imagine, how do you imagine them being used in another five five years for example um yeah so um one um additional problem that um breeders are, are facing is um that 
they are normally breeding for a certain market. So and um, all the testing locations also reflect their their current market. And um, this means if they want to um, expand their market or if um, any um, environmental conditions change in their current um, sites, um, they have to do testing again. And uh, with uh, machine learning, the kind of the beauty of this is as soon as we uh, created a model, we can kind of ask this uh, model some questions or put in different um, environmental conditions and see um, how the, uh, the lines are performing under these conditions. And that means we can um, simulate for these different climates, climates uh, changes in climate or changes in uh, between different regions. And we can then use the um, the client's data, the genotype data that they have, and uh, test these uh, in the locations by using the environmental data from these new locations, and then make recommendations uh, which uh, lines should be grown there. And this will then um, save time, which is especially great if we are looking at um, like food um, supply in um, in countries that are um, heavily impacted by climate change, where it's necessary to really quickly um, uh, adapt the lines to these uh, to the, these environmental conditions, and um, yeah, come up with new lines essentially every year that um, are better suited for their needs. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, maybe I've noticed or have thought about recently, especially as I've had a chance to talk to more of our international collaborators who are working in places like Southeast Asia or Africa, is that in Europe, um, I say we, I'm not in, in Europe with you guys anymore, but I feel like we are a little bit still isolated from those effects of climate change, whereas in fact, areas of the world that are more dependent on agriculture um, and are more fragile to the changes of the environment such as Southeast Asia or Africa are really already experiencing these challenges and are really already battling the reality of crops which are failing to produce as a response to this new environment. And I think in the U.S. where I am, uh, the U.S. is quite large, but just a sheer increase in extreme climate events has also put in perspective the fact that a crop that maybe didn't have to be prepared to survive drought or flooding or high salinity from you know various situations now has to be prepared to survive that and i think that's really going to become a stark reality um, as it becomes m more hard hitting in the places that we call home. Do you do you see what I'm saying? So I think um, it's important that um, we, um, as uh, all of humanity, uh, face this problem because even uh, though it's not impacting us. In, uh, like Europe or Northern America as much as uh, the other uh, countries if there is um, if we have the knowledge to change anything there um, 
yeah, it's important that we also uh, work together with um, the institutions like Erie or uh, local companies to um, uh, like help them adapt faster to these environmental changes. I agree. That's one of the things I really love about Computomics. I think we're really founded in a mission of um, doing the right thing with the right technology and really caring about the way that we use data, the way that we protect our clients' data. I just think that there's a lot of ways that we contribute to this mission that maybe aren't um, aren't obvious from the outside. And again, just making sure that we protect our clients, protect their data, that we help them with these predictions. Because even hearing you talk, I could imagine somebody who's a breeder or grower thinking like, um, I could, you know, maybe they can't make sense of this information, but in fact, we we really participate and work with our clients to make sure that everything we deliver to them is actionable and useful and really helps them make decisions. And I think that stems from the fact that we really believe that what we're doing is um, socially important. Can you maybe just as a last point speak to um you know, that commitment we have to our clients to make sure that we deliver data in a way that is useful for them? So for us, um, it's really important that um, the results that we are supplying to a client um, are meaningful and can be um, can be um, useful to them. And that means we are not only taking the data, processing them and handing them back, but we have a really frequent and scientific interactions with them. And um, yeah, to make sure that the project is uh, shaped in a way that it benefits their breeding program. Great. Well, if anybody who's listening would like to get in touch with Bjorn and chat about your needs, then uh, we can certainly make that possible. Thanks, Bjorn, for uh, sitting down with us today. And I really, um, I really hope that we can really make a contribution to this, to this challenge of providing the full, uh, full predictive capabilities for crops and really being able to be at the forefront of guiding agriculture into whatever climate situation we will face as humanity. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you everyone for joining me on this episode with Bjorn. I think that adding environmental data to predictions is an incredibly important topic to be discussed and shared in the community. I think it's important for um, both large and small institutions, data providers, clients, um, analysis providers to really come together to tackle this issue and to really work together to increase the ability of agriculture to use this type of data for really meaningful insights. So if you would like to get in touch with us, please email info at computomics.com and we hope to hear from you. See you next time.